and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my free training, The Three Legal and Tax Mistakes Made by New and Experienced Business Owners and How You Can Avoid Them. Here's the thing. There's a few key things we've all got to do to make sure we unfuck our biz. I've seen all the mistakes and I know how to help you get past them. So here's what I want you to do. Go to www.unfuckyourbiz.com, sign up for the free training, watch it, and do at least one of the homework assignments I share in the masterclass. Promise? Okay, now let's dive into the episode. Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden, and I am joined yet again by our very special guest, Keila Hill Traywick, who is the owner of Little Fish Accounting in Washington, D.C. If you missed our previous episodes, um, I would say go check those out after this podcast episode. So a lot of the time I tell people to go listen to them before. We haven't really done a full formal introduction of Keila, so I would say start here, and then you can go back and listen to our last three Tuesday episodes. So with that fun intro out of the way, Keila, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your business who you help, and what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so I am Keila Hill Trawick. Um, I run Little Fish Accounting, which is a CPA firm for tiny businesses, which means most of our clients are one person, two person, uh, LLCs or sole proprietorships, and generally have less than 10 people on staff. So that's not everybody, but for the most part, these are clients that don't have an accounting department, but really need accounting guidance that goes beyond kind of what they know. And so we provide accounting and tax services year round, everything from a virtual CFO service where we do everything for you on a monthly basis to a full year tax prep suite where we go beyond annual tax prep to really provide planning and estimated tax guidance throughout the year. Love that. Love the love the term tiny business. I always call my people micro businesses. Yeah. Some people, say like, that some people don't like that, but then I tell them, I'm like, well, most states, and I think the federal government too, considers small businesses businesses making up to $25 million. Most of my people are under six figures. Some I do have some people who are in the multi-six figures, but that's like that's who we're talking about. Yeah, most of our clients are going from uh, mid six figures to low seven figures, but still like to your point, that's way less than like the small business definition. So I like to make clear that like we are going to serve um, service providers and online business owners who are really small, who are trying to do it on a relatively lean team. Nice. I might, I might, I might then like categorize people, micro business, tiny business, small business. (laughs) (laughs) Tears. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, like, and this, it seems silly to classify everyone, but obviously the amount of money you make is going to inform the amount of money you have to spend. And the amount of money you have to spend is going to inform who you're going to hire and what you can afford to do. So this is all very important. Okay. Awesome. So you're kind of like a full service CPA firm. You are the ideal person to come on this podcast because uh, yes, because I, <laughs> um, I get questions 
all the time that like I theoretically can answer because I'm a tax attorney, but I'm not technically an accountant. So there's some technical training that I don't have that you do have that we can really dig into. So I know um, that you're really passionate about the CFO type stuff in business. So that's what we're going to really dig into today. Cool. Okay. So can you tell us what a CFO is, what they do, and how that kind of differs from just like general accounting? Yeah. So generally accountants, and this is not all of them, but generally accountants are looking at historical data. And so what they're focusing on is, are your financial statements accurate? Is everything uh, categorized properly? Are we being set up for success when it comes to tax preparation and when it comes to, say, applying for grants or investments? Are our books in order? And what a CFO should be doing for you is taking that information and taking it a step further to talk about the future, to be able to make strategic decisions about what's going on with the business, to really be able to use the historical information, the baseline foundation as a springboard to be able to say, so what do we do with this information? And so for us, that means not only taking care of the books to make sure that everything's in place and that it's all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed there, but then being able to have conversation about goals. What does it mean um, if you hire somebody? What does your cash flow look like? Because I think that's a conversation that we don't have often enough, this idea that you could be, quote, profitable, but there's the money is not coming in fast enough to really cover expenses. And what we want to make sure is that there's a holistic financial picture so that beyond just the books, we're looking at payroll, bill payment, um, receivables, budgets, forecasting, wanting to look at the whole financial picture for the business to really determine how does the business grow and at the same time maintain what it's doing now without kind of falling into a dip because there were things they didn't pay attention to. So I have a hard hitting question for you. A lot of accountants do not do any like type of CFO type guidance. Do you think it's because it's a skill set that's lacking even among a lot of accountants, or do you think it's just not something that necessarily fits within a lot of business models? I think it's a combination. I would say as accountants, we're taught that we do really specific things. And so you are kind of driven into these lanes of like, are you a bookkeeper? Are you a tax professional? Are you an accountant that kind of does both of those? But it feels relatively emerging this idea of consulting or advising beyond that. I think the other thing is a lot of accountants in corporate worlds are doing uh, very time-based things. We do monthly things, we do quarterly things. And so this idea of really talking through the middle um, doesn't come up as often because the assumption is that their clients or their businesses or whoever they're talking to is really just invested in the numbers themselves. I want to see my financial report. I feel like it looks good moving right along and not really being able to fill that gap of like, it's more than just the numbers. What I see from my students all the time, like the people that I work with, their biggest complaint when it comes to working with accountants is my accountant like didn't really tell me they didn't tell me like why I need to have an S-Corp and they didn't explain to me like why I need to do this thing. And they told me to save this amount for taxes, but I don't know why I'm doing that. And to kind of play like devil's advocate and to defend some of your other accounting professionals, the thing I tell them is, well, if you're just paying for tax prep, like, yeah, it'd be nice if they give you some of that information, but what you're expecting is a consulting service rolled into a tax filing service. And those are kind of two different things. So you're going to get what you pay for. But with that kind of caveat, if people do want that kind of guidance, like what should they be looking for and what kind of information do they need to know? 
I think one, you need to pick an accountant who wants to do that. There are some accountants who are super at tax preparation, but they don't want to talk to you after. They're very good at the behind the scenes, making sure that the stuff is accurate and sending it off. So I would say first, find somebody who meets that need for you, who makes clear up front that this is a service that they provide either as part of the tax preparation service or as an ad hoc consulting session or whatever that looks like. The second thing is, what do you actually want to know? Because what I found is that a lot of people think that it's tax um, advice and it's really like accounting advice. And so you pay a tax preparer, but then you're asking questions about like, how should I categorize this? How do I hire? How do I know how much to pay myself? And those things may or may not have a tax impact in the way that you're looking for for your tax preparer and really are more of a accounting line of questioning. And so I think sometimes it's just a matter of asking the wrong person the right question. And I think sometimes to your point, it's this idea that like you got your taxes done and then you think, but now I have additional questions. So can you just answer all of this too? And we've even had it where we have to be like, sure we can because we happen to be a firm that offers those services, but understand that what you initially engaged us for was just to get this return out of the way. And that that job is completed. Right. It's like I could give so many analogies to this, but one that really came to mind was if you're hiring a virtual assistant to like help you create social media graphics, that's like a very task oriented thing, right? But if you want a social media strategist to say, well, these are the kind of graphics you need and this is when you should post and this is how you should do engagement, those are two different services. So like one is like a very like task, task, task thing that you can outsource, which is really tax filing. And the other one is like strategy. So one person can do both of those things, but you need to find the person that can do both of those things and then pay them to do both of those. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So you talked a little bit earlier about tech, tax prep. I don't know if you said can be or if you said needs to be. So you can, you can tell us what your philosophy is there, but you said tax prep is a year round thing. So what do you mean by that? Oh my gosh. So what usually happens with tax preparation is that people show up in January, February, and they're like, here's all my stuff, do my taxes. And a here's lot all my, of- Here's all my stuff is like, I would say that's a good case scenario. They actually have yeah. all their stuff. What normally, I, you're right. What is more likely is here's some of my stuff. Do you need more things? This is all I have. Actually, when you ask for this other thing, it turns out I do have that too. I just didn't give it to you. Um, but once we get to the place of here's all my stuff, do my taxes, what I found are a couple of things. One is that no questions were asked throughout the period. And so there are a lot of times where by the end, I'm like, yeah, so you should have done all of these things last year, but it's too late because the year is over. So here's how I'm going to advise you to do it this year. That's everything from quarterly taxes to tracking your mileage to making sure that everything is in one account so that you can see it really clearly. By the time you come for tax preparation, it is too late for the most part for me to correct for anything that you didn't do, especially when it comes to tracking and providing information. The other reason that it's really important is because people make decisions not knowing the tax impact. And again, it ends up being too late. So if you wanted to be an escort or if you were thinking about paying yourself, oh, perfect example. I've had people who have like a one person LLC and have been paying themselves as a W-2 employee for the whole year. You're not allowed to do that. But 
by the time you bring me your W-2, I can't do anything about that. You've already done it wrong for the year. And so having this advisory component, having somebody that says, hey, before we get to the point where we're actually filing your return, here are the things that you need to be aware of, that will often jog the memories or the questions of clients to say, actually, since you said that, I have a question about this other thing and whether it's deductible and being able to do that so that one, the tax preparation process is more seamless, but two, I think it's really important that people understand their taxes. Um, I don't think, pe I think that people take for granted that the person that uh, prepares your tax return is not responsible for your tax return. Mm -hmm. You sign it. And so we want to make sure that at the end of this, there's no expectation that you'll be a CPA or a tax genius, but I want you to have a gut check to say, that number looks about right. And if it doesn't be able to ask the question because you have some knowledge about what was going on throughout the year. Yes. So I have, I have a couple, I have a couple like detailed questions I'd love to ask you if you don't mind. We did our Tuesday episode. So now you, now yep. you should be primed for this. So these really are kind of getting at some of my accountant pet peeves. And I'm going to have you tell me, am I the person who doesn't get it? Or are they the person who doesn't get it? So we'll, we'll see. One of them though is, if I hear one more person like in my Facebook group in one of my courses anywhere on like a live webinar, tell me, oh, my accountant told me I don't, I shouldn't form an LLC until I make $50,000. I'm gonna go, I, like, I'm gonna go crazy. Can <laughs> you, you look really confused. So I'm assuming yeah. you, you don't know why they're telling them this. No, first of all, I don't know why more accountants don't let people know that an LLC is not a tax designation. Yes. I mean, you know this, it's legal coverage. So the IRS doesn't recognize it. They're going to treat you the same way, whether you have an LLC or not, depending on what your underlying tax structure is, sole proprietorship, partnership, whatever that means. But the other part about it is because it doesn't change your taxes, it doesn't matter how much money you made. Now, S-Corp is a different thing, but just to make an LLC, a lot of people will come to us and say, should I make an LLC or not? And I say, what do you think that your liability is and how much do you want to protect your personal assets? Right. I'm not even going to set up your LLC because you Good. need to send do that. An attorney. <laughs> Go through an attorney who can talk you through not only what the... Um, the rules are around it, but every state is different. And so making sure that you're falling within the, the realm of what is allowed for you and what is expected of you with an LLC. But a lot of people are like, yeah, I, I know that I'm not eligible for certain tax breaks unless I have an LLC. And I'm like, who told you that? That is not true. Yeah. That, that one, always, that one always drives me crazy. But what I, it, it took me a long time to figure this out. It took me a lot of conversations to figure this out. But what I finally realized is there are just a lot of accountants that are basically telling you until you're profiting enough to save money from an S-Corp and you can do an S-Corp election on your LLC, just stay a sole proprietorship because there's no tax benefit. And I'm like, from a tax perspective, that's fine advice. But from a legal perspective, that's terrible advice. And this is why ideally, like every small business owner should have an attorney and an accountant. But yeah. if you're a micro business, you might not be able to afford that. So just keep listening to my podcast because I do both of those things. <laughs> yeah. And understand too, that like an S corp is an election. And so I right. think a lot of people will tell me that they're an LLC and then we get to the end and they're an S corp. And I'm like, you have to tell me both because they get treated in two different ways. And I don't think that enough professionals really accounting and lawyers for the most part are explaining to people what an S corp means. And so they either rush them into it or don't tell them about it at all.
Yeah, this is why I always, whenever I present on S-Corps, I always make this terrible corny joke, but I, it kind of makes sense. I always tell people that I wish we could start, I, I wish I could start a national campaign to rename them SLLCs because it just makes more sense. Yep. But, like, I don't have time for that, so. <laughs> I'll sign a petition. I can't okay, good. march for it. Because I, like, I feel like an S-Corp should be a corporation with an, with an S designation, and then we should have SLLCs. But we don't have that, so an S-Corp, not a tax designation, or it is a tax de- designation, not a type of entity. My second, my second nitpicky question for you is, I hear people all the time, they're like, I need to form my S-Corp before the end of the year so I can get their tax benefits. So they'll form it, like, in November or December. And then I'm like, okay, Mary, but like, you got to run, like, you still have to, you still have to run your reasonable salary through payroll in the last month of the year. So if you have $60,000 in the bank account, like go for it. But I find a lot of accountants are forming S corps at the end of the year. And they're not, basically, they'll have them pay their $2,000 for what their salary should be in December and call it good. I don't like it. Um, first of all, the IRS has a deadline. They want it at the beginning of the year in March. So you have to, fi- if you file it later in the year, you essentially have to ask for permission to make it retroactive to the beginning of the year. You have not been following those steps. You have not been paying yourself a reasonable salary. You have not been setting up, you know, all of probably the state things that had to be done for you. You just came to the end of the year and created it. The other thing that I don't like about that is it causes a lot of confusion for clients because the IRS takes so long to approve it. And so you're operating under the assumption that they're going to say yes. You file it in November, the IRS doesn't say yes until the following June. And so in that meantime, you're basically doing what you think you should be doing, which, I mean, you could ask for Uh, forgiveness for that later. But I feel like it makes it confusing for a lot of people because by the time they come to tax prep and they're like, and I'm like, okay, so what's your business entity type? They're like, I'm an escort. And I say, okay, well, show me the paperwork. And they're like, so I haven't gotten it back yet, but we did apply. And I'm like, so how are you paying yourself in the meantime? Well, I'm paying myself as an employee And you really don't know whether or not you are allowed to to pay yourself as an employee until that paperwork comes back as stamped. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I actually, I had a tax professor who would always say, file the S election on time and then just assume that you're an S corp if you do it in January or February. Right. I agree with that. I'm more of, when you file it on time, I'm like, take the rest of the year because I think you can ask for forgiveness and be like, I did what I was supposed to in February and I figured y'all were going to get back to me this year. When you file it in November and you're kind of overlapping for that year and then you're not really sure for the next year, it feels more risky. Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is, and, and just a heads up, everyone, this is a, like a pretty high level conversation. If you did not follow anything we were just talking about, don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. You're probably not ready for an S-Corp. But there are some of you that have been listening who've listened to my past episodes on S-Corps. You have kind of been planning on doing it in the future. This conversation will have been instructive for you all. I hope. I hope. Um, This episode is going to be releasing, I think, in mid-January. We're recording it now, like, the very beginning of December. But I'm planning on filing my S-Corp. Um, I have the 2553 already filled out. I'm going to mail it off to the IRS on January 1st. And I'm very excited because uh, it's like a very nerdy thing, right? But a lot of us were, I, and I always tell my students that forming an S-Corp is actually like a like an important milestone in your business. It means that you've like hurt, hit a certain point in your revenue, which is exciting. 
Very much so. We're doing the same thing in January. My stuff is already set up. I'm already like the payroll system is in place. I just need to make the little adjustment. But yeah, same thing. I think that it's really important. And I think that it's something that you don't want to rush into because it's so important and because it makes a difference in the way that your business pays you in the way that it shows up in terms of tax preparation. Sometimes people will rush to say, could you try again? Really? (laughs) series going off now on your exactly on my apple watch but sometimes people will rush that because they'll say oh i get the tax benefit let me go ahead and be an escort now and i'm like and you have to have reasonable salary and you have to pay payroll taxes and so to your point it's a partly a revenue decision but also a time decision like how much do you want to invest in becoming an escort potentially if you're not making enough that it's going to change your taxes that much at the beginning Ex- totally. Okay. Um, I could talk about S corps for days. This is this is one of those topics where, um, since I never practiced accounting, I had a lot of imposter syndrome when I started doing my own like education. Right. I think we all have that. And I would hear this other stuff that accountants were telling people, and I'm like, do I just do I have all this wrong? But having very smart people like yourself on the podcast helps validate everything I've I've been saying on this podcast <laughs> for the past You're few welcome. years. Okay. So the next thing we we were going to discuss is forecasting and cash flow analysis and the importance of that. So I talk about cash flow a lot um, from a very simple perspective. We don't really talk a lot about forecasting because I find I love doing forecasting in my own business and I love like spreadsheets and I love just like projecting my income. I have a really hard time figuring out ways to teach that. So like, how do you kind of explain to your clients what forecasting is and how do you start working on that with them? So on a very super oversimplified way of saying it is think of your forecast as a budget that has some real data in it. So this is what I'm expecting to happen by the end of the year, what I'm planning for to happen by the end of the year, but like January, February, March, April have already happened. So I'm going to input that to say, does anything adjust based on what has happened? Whereas a budget is pretty static. I'm going to lay it for the rest of the year and we're just going to see if we're hitting those targets. Um, Think of a forecast as being more flexible. The other reason that it's important is because of its flexibility, you have some space to say, actually, this huge thing is going to change. And I'm going to put that in to be able to say, now, what does the rest of the year look like? Somebody quit in June. Am I going to hire them back? I mean, or hire someone to replace them? Am I going to leave this open? Because that's going to change my expenses for the rest of the year. Whereas when you're looking at a budget, you're essentially saying, I'm just under budget now. Now that I'm not paying this person, I'm meeting that expense threshold. And so I like to think of forecasting as similar to a budget, but more flexible and really using real data that's already happened to inform how the rest of the forecast goes. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that probably a lot, most business owners do not do much in the way of forecasting. Nah. So when you're having this meeting with them and, and you're telling them, well, you really need to do this. And they're like, oh, it sounds, like, sounds hard. That's like, it sounds expensive. Like, I don't, I don't really know. Like whatever, like whatever stuff that they ramble off to you. Like, how do you emphasize the importance of this and like why we really need to be doing it on our business? Well, one, I think it's, imperative for growth. I think if you're maintaining and for a lot of businesses, they're like, I'm not at a point to be looking forward. I just need to make sure we have enough money to get through this month, to pay payroll, to make sure that I'm good for the next month that I have to pay for. 
But when we think about growth and when we think about budgets, I feel like a lot of times we give these arbitrary parameters. You should be profiting 25% and you should be paying yourself 10%. And those may be helpful, especially at the beginning, but they're not really specialized to your business. They don't really speak to the fact that if you are a service provider, then a whole chunk of your budget is going to be attributable to salaries, wages, and contractors in a way that it might not be the same way if you sell food and you have, you know, supplies and ingredients and all of those things. And so when we're thinking about growth, I like to remind people that if we don't look at your business specifically and be able to say, based on what your business has done, this is what we can expect from it. It's really hard to make strategic decisions about how you grow and what you do next. Because a lot of the conversations end up being like, you spent this much, you should go down on that. Like by how much though? What does your business actually require to run? And what does it look like if you make different decisions in your business and move different levers? Can you really grow to the point that you're asking for if some of the expenses that you have within are not scalable? Yes. I, uh, I could talk about forecasting for days. Like people really need to, get, need to get on this stuff. Super important. Okay. I also, I feel like that kind of like leads into this other topic too of, we, I, this is kind of the note, I, note that I noted down when we were discussing this topic of knowledge is power and that informs your lifestyle. So what exactly does this mean to you? What it means to me is there are a lot of like online goals, right? Like hit six figures, hit seven figures, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, that's important. But how hard do you have to work to make that money? If you are selling something that's $100, how many people do you have to serve to get to that six figures versus someone who's selling $5,000 packages? That's one. Um, the second thing is once you know that, you can make decisions you have the power to make decisions about how the rest of your company rolls, right? Like if you know that there's an area of your business that doesn't require that much of you, maybe that's where the advertising spend goes. We just need to get people here to pay for it so that I can focus on the few people that I do one-on-one -on -one service with. And if I can focus on that, then I can set up a week that feels good for me. What days do I want to be off? How much time do I want to be able to spend by myself? How much time do I want to do, spend doing shit that's not going to make me all the money, right? Like some people are really into art and art is not going to pay all their bills. But how much space do you have to do that if you're trucking 12, 14, 16 hour days to get this work out to make these six and seven figure goals? And so I think that once you have some information, some baseline of this this is where my business stands. This is how much I make. This is what it costs to run it. Then your adjustments, again, the levers that you pull of, if I raise the price on this, I don't have to take as many people and I can take weekends off. If I use a contractor or an employee to help me do this work, I have bandwidth to take on more people without taking on more of my time. And that adjusts what I'm able to do in life. And I think a lot of times when we start our businesses, especially when we're starting them by ourselves, we do all the jobs and it's like, this is just going to be my life for the indefinite future. But the goal is that part of the self-care of your business is to say, I don't have to do all of it. I can hire help so that the things that I really appreciate out of my life, I have time to do. Yeah. One, one of my favorite things also is when people realize that like something that was taking 50% of their working time is only making 10% of their revenue. Also that. It's like, 
let's maybe cut that then. Like, no, let's not offer that service anymore. Clearly it takes you like way too much time for the thing that you're offering. So let's take that other thing that you spend 20% of your time on that's making you 80% of your revenue and spend a lot more time marketing whatever it is that's getting those people in the door. And you have resources. I think that's the other thing that I mean by knowledge being power. Like, listen to the podcast, follow people who are who have information to help you even uh, improve the process of the thing that's taking 50% of your time. Maybe you still want to offer it, but you can automate it a lot easier so that it exists for people, but it's not taking all day for you. Well, so speak, speaking of knowledge is power and listening to other people, I know that you have your own podcast. So what's your podcast called? Where do people find that? Yep. Our podcast is called Fish Food. You can find it wherever podcasts are sold. Um, it is a really bite-sized podcast for accounting advice. And so our goal was to make sure that the episodes are 20 minutes or less that peek into a really specific topic that either we've been asked or we've had come up all the time. And then we also have conversations with other entrepreneurs who either serve the same uh, clients that we serve. So lawyers that serve small business owners, stuff like that or that are talking about their entrepreneurship journey and how finances have impacted that. Beautiful. And as we're heading into tax season, question for you, when is the best time for someone to reach out to either you or to another accountant if they're seeking tax filing services? January, February? I know all year round would be ideal, but uh, probably a little late for that for the 2020 tax year. I would honestly say now-ish. Um, the good thing is the sooner, the better, obviously I recommend that starting in December is helpful because if you start getting into that tax preparers kind of, I don't want to call it a funnel. That's not what I mean, but <laughs> like they're giving you their checklist and the things their onboarding process. Exactly. Um, once you're, once you get into that process, you know what they need from you. And so before the year ends, you can start pulling that stuff together, um, if it's not December, the next best time is January. You want to get in as early as possible. Um, like anything else, the good people get booked fast. And so you don't want to come to a position where you feel um, desperate and you just have to take somebody that'll do things for you. And I think the other thing is specifically for people who feel like they are not prepared, who like have bank statements and receipts, but don't know how things got paid for or don't have them categorized, the sooner you can get in, the faster you can be told what you need to update and fix and have space to be able to um, submit the correct documentation as opposed to we've had clients who came to us late and were basically like, I don't have time to go look for the expenses, so just file it as is. And that's a huge tax burden that you're taking on simply because you weren't prepared. Yikes. Yeah. Do they like try to amend later when they do that? Sometimes, but I think a lot of people, because they're not thinking about it year round are like, I'll, I'll totally come back and do that. And then I get them the next year and it looks yeah. exactly the same. Interesting. So if uh, I'm assuming that you get booked up pretty quickly, if people are interested in inquiring with Little Fish Accounting, where do they go to do that? Yep. Everything's up on our website at littlefishaccounting.com. You can see about our services. You can schedule a free discovery call to talk more about what we do and whether it would be a good fit. Or you can schedule a clarity consult call, which is a paid consult for you to just ask as many questions as we can get in in that period so that I can make sure that you're better prepared for the year. Final question. Uh, most of my podcast listeners know that I have a private Facebook group called Braden's Besties. Create is getting their legal and tax shit legit free for everyone. Come and join us. 
if my listeners would like to become Keela's besties, where's the best place for them to do so? We are most active on Instagram at Little Fish Accounting. Um, we give a lot of free information there. And we also have a newsletter that comes out once a month to give you tips and tricks to get you through the period, which you can sign up for at the website. Lovely. That's amazing. Okay. Thanks so much for coming on, recording not only this episode, but three other podcast episodes. It's amazing. Super, super appreciate it. Nah, happy to do it. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.